0: Some of you know where I'm going with this. When we, do, when we do favorites in July, don't ask me to sing in the 300s because I'm not doing it. Amen. I always, Thanksgiving time is when Christmas starts and all God's people said, well, a couple of you agree with me. Amen. Some of you are putting up your trees now. Amen. And, uh, uh, but I think about that that uh, uh, line from that song, why can't every day be like Christmas? You know, it's just a... It's a great line it's a very introspective and as a pastor uh i think why can't every day be like mother's day you know what it's mother's day when i see forgive me grown children with their moms in the pew and they're sitting up straight and they know that mom can still straighten them out amen (laughs) oh mercy one day the census taker called and wrote down in a book. And so as I was hanging around, uh, I thought I'd take a look. He had our names and ages all and put down dad's vocation. And after mother's, day, after mother's name, he wrote that she had no occupation. Why? Mother's up before light and through the work she races... She starts the breakfast, straightens things, and washes all the faces. She packs our lunches, finds our books. Of course it keeps her busy. She washes iron sweeps and dusts. You'd think she would be dizzy. She bakes a cake and maybe pies. She finds some time for sewing. There's mending, making over too, because we're always growing." Then dinner comes and dishes next, first one thing, then another. And when our homework bothers us, we say, please help us, mother. So she keeps going all the time, and though she's often weary, she never gets real out of sorts, she's always happy and cheery. She keeps so busy every day, and sure needs some vacation. And yet, the census taker wrote down that she has no occupation. Mothers. Mothers, I mentioned, are teachers. Mothers teach so many lessons. Mothers teach their children about anticipation. You just wait till your father gets home. Mothers teach about receiving. You're going to get it when we get home. Mothers teach about meeting a challenge. What were you thinking? Answer me when I talk to you. Don't talk back to me when I'm talking. Mothers teach us about logic. If you fall out of that swing and break your neck, you're not going to the store with me. Mothers teach us about medical science. If you don't stop making that face, it'll freeze that way. Mothers teach us about thinking ahead. If you don't pass your spelling test, you'll never get a good job. (laughs) Some of you are a little serious this morning, amen? (laughs) Mothers teach us about humor. When the lawnmower cuts off your toes, don't come running to me. Mothers teach us about becoming an adult. If you don't eat your vegetables, you'll never grow up. Mothers teach us about genetics. You're just like your father. Mothers teach us about their roots. Do you think we were born in a barn? Mothers teach us about the wisdom that comes with age. When you get to be my age, you'll understand. Mothers teach us about the processes of life. I brought you into this world, and I can take you out. Mothers teach us about justice. One day you'll have kids of your own, and I hope they turn out just like you. <laughs> mothers are there at the beginning of life. As you mothers get that joyous news that you were expecting, you get morning sickness, swollen ankles, Craving for unholy combinations of food. And all God's mom said, peanut butter and pickles? I mean, what's wrong with you women out there? I don't know. You get pain in your legs. You get the waddle. You get back pain. And then finally that day comes. Your water breaks. And it's time for that baby to leave mom and come out into the world. And again, it's mother who walks through the valley of the shadow of death just to bring a child into the world. And then, after the pain is done, you hear that little cry. And there's nothing like it. And all that sorrow, for a moment, fades away. You know, Jesus talked about that in John chapter 16, verse 21. A woman, when she is in travail, hath sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish for a joy that a man is born into this world. You know, one of the top ten things that gets under my skin is when I hear a child talk back to their mother. Not even my kids. Now, God help my kids if they do it. But when I hear in in a store or somewhere, I I hear a a child sass their mother, I want to say, young person, who do you think you are? You have no memory of that day, but your dear mother remembers what she went through to bring you into this world. Please pray for mercy for my children if they are ever foolish enough to engage in this behavior and pray for me because you may have to come visit me up the road here, amen. <laughs> it is mother who's there for every boo-boo, give kisses and comfort and candy. It's mother who's there for every skinned knee, every pinched finger. Every broken relationship, every failure in the competition of sports, every heartache that comes along in life, help with her little girl's dress on her wedding day and adjusting her little boy's tie on his wedding day. It's the godly mother who, despite all obstacles placed in her path, keeps the house, cooks the meals, reads her Bible. Raises and teaches her children. And while the world and the modern feminist in American academia may laugh and scoff at such an outdated concept, mothers, we stand in admiration of you. And by the way, may I just say today, we have, I know we have many in our congregation who so long to be mothers and just haven't had that baby yet. 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 You just keep praying. You be like Hannah. Hannah was in anguish. but She just wanted a baby. We know know you want a baby. And uh, by the way, that's why we have nursery around here. Amen? Work the nursery. Amen? Love on those little babies till God gives you your own. And uh, listen, I know many have been through miscarriages. My wife miscarried a set of twins before we had Arcadia. And... uh, You just hang in there. God loves you. He has a plan for your life. Amen. The context of our message today in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy has a peculiar appeal to the last known words of a great and beloved man. It was written with the full consciousness that the time of his departure was at hand. It constitutes Paul's dying testimony and his dying appeal to his beloved son in the gospel. It has been called Paul's last will and testament to Timothy and through him to the church. D. Edmund Hebert in his book on 2 Timothy Paul, no doubt, with tears in his eyes and joy in his soul and peace in his heart, writes a fond, faith-filled, and fearless farewell to his son in the faith, as perhaps he hears the Roman soldier sharpening that axe that would take off his head and end his life. After the last amen, at the end of the letter... He would put away his pen forever, John Phillips said. He begins this last epistle, if you look with me in verses 1 and 2, with uh, declarations. First of all, he declares his apostleship. Again, those of you that know your Bibles know that Paul was that apostle born out of due time that God called him to be, but a lot of people questioned his apostleship. They, they uh, uh, mocked his apostleship, and so he starts off, he says, Paul, Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. He said, I didn't call myself to be an apostle. God made me an apostle. But then not only is there the declaration of his apostleship, in verse 2, there's the declaration of his affection. He says, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son. See, uh, Timothy was Paul's son in the faith. We could kind of put it this way, I guess. Uh, Timothy was Paul's preacher boy. He was somebody, young man, that Paul had invested in, and Paul had had seen him, and by the way, he would say of that in uh, chapter 2, verse 2, the things which thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others. He saw in Timothy the, the qualities that made up a man of God. He saw the faithfulness that was there, and he began to invest in him, knowing that Timothy would take that and invest it in somebody else, another faithful man to preach the gospel. So, he begins with declarations. Then in verse 3, we see disclosures. We learn of Paul's communion at the beginning of verse 3. He says, I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers. He said, I, I, I thank God. He, he's the one I serve. He's the one that I love. He's the one that I obey. Thank God. But then, not only is his disclosure of his communion, but also his consecration. His consecration. He says there that, without ceasing, I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day he had consecrated himself to pray for Timothy but then there's also his conscience i love this he says there i thank god whom i serve from my forefathers with pure conscience you know paul was so unique in that if you you know the story of him in his days during ephesus that he said he said i am free from the blood of all men what a statement that is brother tom what a statement He said, there's there's not anybody that I have come across that I haven't tried to share Christ with. He said, I have a pure conscience. So, we see his declarations. We see his disclosure. We see his desire in verse 4. Greatly desiring to what? To see thee. I'll tell you what. It just does me good to see certain people in my life, just to be around them. Years ago, the the church here sent me, uh, I was able to go to a conference in California. It was a wonderful conference. And and one of the preachers that was there, he'd been pastoring at his church for 25 years. And and he, he made a statement. He said, when I was a young pastor, he said, I used to have in... I would have in bigger names, and, and I would have guys that I thought would be a blessing to, to, uh, to have in and whatnot. And, and he, he named some names that, again, that people would know, preachers would know and all that. And then he said, but the longer I'm at my church, Brother Hutchins, he said, the longer I'm the pastor, he said this, I realize that when I have men in, I just need to bring in men that I need to be around, I remember sitting there pondering that statement, Brother Raymond, like just thinking about what he was saying. He said, because me just being around them will last. The, the fellowship that we have and the things that we talk about and the things that we instill in one another will last longer than just having somebody that will be a blessing. You know, last week I was reminded of that. As uh, I was just able to be with my pastor for a couple of days. And you know, I, I just need to be around him. There's people like that in our life, and Paul said, "You know, I just Timothy, I just want to see you." Isn't it great when you see somebody in in the Lord's work and family that you haven't seen in quite a long time, and you see them, and what happens to you? I'll tell you what happens to me: is my heart leaps. There's a rejoicing that takes place, Miss Jude. I think about my wife and I have for several years, <clears throat> decades now. We go to our home church. Every fifth year, they have a special meeting. The fifth anniversary, the 10th anniversary, the 15th anniversary. The last one we went to was the 35th anniversary in 2021. Lord willing, we plan to go back in 2026, Lord, Lord willing. But that meeting in 2021 was the best meeting I have ever been in. It was unbelievable. And part of the reason was we were just with God's people. When I think of Paul's desire, you know what I think about? Really, he said, I want to see you before I pass off the scene. His declarations, his disclosure, his desire. And I like this. Philip said this. He said, people, not things, moved Paul's heart. People, not things, moved Paul's heart. But then we see a description of Timothy's faith in verse 5. Timothy's faith, if you look at it in verse number 5 there, it says, when I call to remembrance uh, the unfeigned faith that is in thee. There's uh, a reality there. He, He had this faith. And then we see not only the reality, but there was roots to his faith. And then it, 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 it said, it dwelled first in thy grandmother Lois and in thy mother Eunice. And I am persuaded of the in thee also. There's that reinforcement concerning his faith. Timothy's faith was a family faith. Timothy's faith came first from his mother Eunice, who in turn, her faith came from her mother Lois. And it is this mother, Lois, really the the grandmother here, and others in the Bible that we'd like to look at today as we look at the subject of the faith, faith of our mothers, faith of our mothers. I want you to notice in verse 5, and we'll bounce around a little bit here today, notice with me, number one, the conviction of a mother's faith. The conviction of a mother's faith. There in verse 5, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and in thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that is in thee also. Let's go back to the book of Acts. The book of Acts, chapter number 16. So hang a left there at 2 Timothy and go back to the book of Acts. And chapter number 16, verse number 1, please. Acts chapter 16, verse number 1. And here we see, looking at this idea of the conviction of a mother's faith. Acts chapter 16, verse 1 says, Then he came to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, Timothy, the son of a certain woman. And we learn her name was Eunice, which was a Jewess and believed, but his father was a Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren which were in Lystra and Iconium. However, wherever, whenever she came to Christ, we know this, that her faith was one of conviction was one of conviction. Now, can I tell you some things about conviction, the conviction of faith? First of all, uh, this idea of faith, uh, first of all, saving faith. 2 Timothy 3, uh, 15 puts it this way, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. There's no record of when Lois, Timothy's grandmother, received Jesus Christ as her personal Savior. The Bible does tell us that her faith, uh, however, appears that this faith was passed down to Eunice, Timothy's mother, who were both devout Jews. However, at some point, these Jewish ladies heard the gospel. They heard that Jesus loved them. They heard that Jesus died for them. They heard that Jesus would save him if they would only place their faith and trust. And they did that, ladies and gentlemen. You see, it's important that we understand this. We we talk about about this idea of people of faith, and and it's this uh, idea toward conservatism. You know, listen, people of faith are so important. Listen to me, faith does not save. Faith in Jesus Christ saves. There's a lot of people of faith who are going to hell. Period. Because it is not faith. James 2.19 puts it this way. Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. And they're not going to heaven. It is faith in Jesus Christ, God's Son, who came from heaven, was born of a virgin, who died on an old rugged cross to pay for the sins of all mankind, and three days later rose from the grave for our justification. He said this, because I live, ye shall live also. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Acts chapter 4, verse 10. Be it known unto all of you, the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Lazarus, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even doth this man stand, that that man who was healed by the gate. This is the stone which is set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name given under heaven among men, whereby we must be saved. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus is not a way. He's the way. And her faith was a faith of conviction. Listen, the the Jewish people didn't believe that. But she did. At some point, she trusted Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That conviction of a mother's faith was saving faith. Can I tell you something else about that faith? It's a scriptural faith. Scriptural. What do you mean, Pastor? Again, 2 Timothy 3.15, "...and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation." Lois and Eunice were students of and acquainted themselves with the scriptures that they had, and they passed it down to Timothy. Mom, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. One of the most vivid and precious memories I have of my sweet wife, there are many. One of the most precious memories I have is when our children were little. Katia wasn't born yet. The boys were small. Eric was probably just barely two. Luke was five, six months old. And I came down one day, came down the stairs one day, and it was in the morning. And my wife, Miss Judy, had one on each arm in her Bible on her lap. Amen, moms. It's a scriptural faith. You know what I like about that? That When I think about that, that memory is so precious to me. My wife thought it was important to read her Bible. She still had to care for her children. And all God's mom said. (laughs) But you know, there's not really a convenient time for a mom to read her Bible. Dad gets the convenient time, amen. But it's a scriptural faith. Oh dear mother, cherish and carve out that daily quiet time with God. Its importance cannot be overstated of you passing that down to your children. The conviction of a mother's faith, it's a saving faith, it's a scriptural faith. You know what our text tells us back there in 2 Timothy 1? It tells us it's a sincere faith. He says of Timothy's faith that, It was an unfeigned faith. That word means sincere, without hypocrisy. And I want to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. There is nothing like a godly mother's faith. Nothing. There's no substitute for it. It many times can't be adequately defined. I'll tell you, probably its greatest attribute is its sincerity. You know, I, I've said this before to our children, we hope when you grow up that you will know that mom and dad tried to love God with all our hearts. And I know dad's failed many times, but mom sure has done a great job. The Bible tells us in Romans 12.9, let love be without dissimulation. 2 Corinthians 6.6 6 talks about love unfeigned. 1 Timothy 1, 1.5, faith unfeigned. Uh, James 3.17, without hypocrisy. This word, the same exact word that's used here in 2 Timothy 1. Timothy's mother's faith was real. It was genuine. Oh, the genuine faith of a godly mother. Such faith is so genuine that men, hardened by the effects of sin, turn into humble little boys. When they come into their mother's presence. The conviction of a mother's faith. Saving faith. Scriptural faith. Sincere faith. Secondly, back there in 2 Timothy chapter 1, notice with me, the communication of a mother's faith. Not only the conviction, but the communication. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and in thy mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded in thee also. This faith in Jesus Christ was communicated through three generations from a mother, Lois, to a daughter, Eunice, to a grandson, Timothy. How do you, mother, godly mother, communicate your faith To your children. Well, I believe first of all, it's through personal education. 2 Timothy 3.14 says, Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. The home, not the church, the home is commanded to be the place where the education of the faith is communicated. The church is a supplement to the home, not a substitute. You know there's wisdom in that? Think about our church schedule. If it was only the church's job to educate your children in the faith, we're doing a very poor job of it because we only have them for about three hours a week. Mom, you have them way more than that. Personal education, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, when, thy, when thou risest up. While Timothy may have learned much from Paul's side, and I'm sure he did, his education of faith started on Eunice's knee. My son Eric plays the piano, and uh, he's had two piano teachers here that have been part of the staff of Loomis Park Baptist Church. Miss Heidi Schwen teaches them now and does a... Wonderful job, I'm so thankful for Miss Heidi and all she does. And then before Miss Heidi, it was Miss Lindsay Messer, who was, again, a wonderful pianist and teacher. But before that, it was his mom, who sat there and boom, 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 boom. Anderes, and Dad went boom, 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 boom. This was payback for when I played the drums. Payback, (laughs) awful. Sowing and reaping. Oh, dear mothers, take time. Read the Bible. Bible stories and stories that exalt virtues to your children while they're young. And by the way, grandmothers, you can do that with those grandbabies too. One of the sweetest things my wife does is read to our children. She does it every day. Again, I mentioned a couple weeks back about Rahab. Remember Rahab? Rahab the harlot. Rahab raised Boaz. Boaz made it his business to protect helpless women like Ruth. There are so many teaching moments of life. Mom, take advantage of them while you can, while you have them. They'll be grown soon. The communication of a mother's faith comes through personal education, but I'll tell you, probably the greatest communicative tool is by practical demonstration. Timothy learned much more from watching Eunice and Grandma Lois than he did from listening to them. Nothing wrong with listening teaching with your lips but you teach more with your life than you do with your lips and all god's people said again we we gave the poem there of her occupation but someone as well said an ounce of mother is worth a pound of clergy (laughs) that's a good statement amen oh godly mother you have no idea how you living out your faith even after your children are grown, can influence them and your grandchildren. John Randolph, in speaking of the influence of his Christian mother, said, I believe I should have been swept away by the flood of French infidelity if it had not been for one thing, the remembrance of the times when my sainted mother used to make me kneel by her side and take my little hand in hers and cause me to pray with her. I doubt that many mothers will be going on before when the saints of God ascend to the golden streets to the throne of glory if you've experienced the hallowing impress of a godly mother You have been blessed with great spiritual riches indeed. The song Miss Kayla sung was a good one. I have a goodly heritage. I'm blessed with things you can't see. The conviction of a mother's faith. Saving faith. Scriptural faith. Sincere faith. The communication of a mother's faith. Personal education and practical demonstration. And then the commendation of a mother's faith. Lastly, the commendation. God commends the faith. He says in in our text there, when I call to remembrance, when I think about uh, your mom, Eunice's faith, when I think about your grandma's faith, I think about the lasting influence of a mother's faith. You can't outrun mom's faith. You can try. But it'll still be there. Thank God for godly moms. That, that lasting influence. By the way, mom, that, that's that's a, an incentive to pray, isn't it? Hmm? That's an incentive to raise those kids right. I always think about our, our section back there on Sunday nights. About our 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 young section. We almost have to uh, rope it off with all the little ones back there on Sunday night. And listen, they're they're noisy. They fall asleep like some of you right now. It's okay, my sermons are a sure cure for insomnia. Just call me if you you can't sleep one night and I'll just start preaching to you next thing you hear, (laughs) over the phone, amen? I love it when the kids, I don't love it when the adults fall asleep, but I love it when the kids fall asleep on Sunday night. I love the fact that their parents thought it important enough to bring them to church on Sunday night. Lasting influence, commendation. But also there's the living continuance. Timothy, certainly by the goodness and grace of God, lived his life for Christ and bore much fruit. But humanly speaking, you know why he bore fruit? Because of his mother's faith. Because of his mother's faith. Mother, you have a part in everything your child does for Jesus Christ. You have a part in that. Everything those grand... If if your children raise those grandbabies in the faith, you listen, Lois had a part in every soul that Timothy ever won. Grandma Lois. Some of you are way past the childbearing years unless the prophecy of Sarah and Abraham comes true again, which you're hoping it doesn't. Amen? <laughs> and and you, you, you've sowed those days. But you know there's a living continuance. You just keep going on. One of the things that is so sweet about our church is the, how should I say this, Miss Mary, the these seasoned saintly ladies. that's another term for old ladies, amen. <laughs> These seasoned saintly ladies who do nursery, they get to sit with those babies. And you know the truth is, some of you ladies that are octogenarians, you're, you're 80, nor, you know north of 80, Some of those babies aren't going to remember you, but you're going to have left a lasting influence on them. Amen? There's a lasting influence. There's a living continuance. And there's a loving significance. You know, I I have great contempt and great disdain for the way society and particularly even our society here in America, sadly, because it hasn't always been so, is demeaning motherhood. Like it's some disease to be born. I want to tell you something. The loving significance, there is nothing more necessary and more significant in the lives of a family Of a community, of a nation, than a mother's tender, gentle Christian faith. It leaves her loving imprint in the lives of her children, but not only her children, but of all whom she comes in contact with. William McKinley, as a lawyer, Congressman, Governor of Ohio, and President of the United States kept in touch with his mother every day. When he didn't see her, he wrote or telegraphed her in mid-October of 1897. It's a little tougher to keep in touch every day in 1897 than it is in 2023. In mid-October of 1897, he quietly left the White House and took a trip to Canton just so he could walk to church with her again. Some of you were privileged to do that today, walk to church with your mom. When she became ill, he arranged to have a special train standing by at full steam, ready to take him to her bedside. Then one night, she did call for him. Immediately he wired, tell mother I'll be there. Mrs. McKinley died on December 12, 1897 in the arms of her 54-year-old son. Her gentle Christian virtues helped mold the president's character. For when he was gunned down in Buffalo, New York, about four years later, he showed no bitterness toward his assassin. With Christian courage, he said, God's will be done. Before he died, He asked to hear once again the hymn, Nearer My God to Thee, which his mother had taught him. Nobody knows of the work it makes to keep a home together. Nobody knows of the steps it takes. Nobody knows but mother. Nobody listens to childish woes, which kisses only heal. Nobody pained by naughty blows. Nobody, only mother. Nobody knows of sleepless care bestowed on baby brother. Nobody knows of tender prayer. Nobody, only mother. Nobody knows of lessons taught of loving one another. Nobody knows of patience sought. Nobody, only mother. Nobody knows of anxious fears lest darlings may not weather. The storm of life after years, nobody knows but mother. Nobody kneels at the throne above to thank the heavenly father for the sweetest gift of mother's love. Nobody can but mother. We close with some simple applications, moms. Be a mom who loves God. Maybe you're not right now, maybe you're somebody whose life doesn't fit that. You can be somebody who loves God how do I love God? Do what He says. Just just set about to do what He says. If He says be in church, be in church. If He says pray, pray. If He says witness, witness. If He says read His Word, read His Word. And by the way, it does say all of that. Be a mom who is devoted to your husband. Be a mom who prays. Be a mom whose life and lips are always teaching and reinforcing the lessons of this book. Be a mom who labors in your home. Be a mom who's patient and tender. Be a mom who takes time to laugh and play. Be a mom who reads to your children. Be a mom who is content in her God-given role, knowing that God sees and God will reward. Be a mom who redeems, not wishes the time away. I can't wait until they're grown. Well, you won't have to. And all God's moms said, I can't wait for this stage, or I can't wait until they get this done. I can't... It'll happen before, you know, I was listening to a message on Saturday night. You know, I can't wait until I I come into this room and it'll be clean. It'll be clean and dusty because there won't be any children in it anymore. Be a mom who redeems the time. Spend time with your kids. I thought one of the kids said, I love mom because she gives us snuggles. Miss Madison, that's still a good thing to get from mom. Amen. Look, at you, you're sitting right next to your mom today, snuggling up next to her. Amen. Listen, moms, just be be that mom. Set out to be that mom that your children could say of you later in life. I thank God for my mom's faith, the faith of our mothers. It's a conviction of a mother's faith. There's a communication of a mother's faith. There's the commendation of a mother's faith thank God for moms Father we love you